KCIUT 89.5 FM, the sound of your city. Stream us anytime at www.ciut.fm. Hello and welcome to The More the Merrier with Donna G. Black History Month is being celebrated, especially the voices of the ancestors, those enslaved Africans who survived the Middle Passage and continue to survive amidst present-day traumas. The pieces that you'll hear today will be running through. I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the program. You'll be hearing pieces from Lift Every Voice and Sing, The Roots of Gospel Music, a three-volume compilation CD by Tiki Mercury Clark, The Color of Dusk by Wal Matthews and Alita Green, Word Life, Tales of the Underground Griots. You'll hear from Naila and Nth Degree. For the moment, out of Nova Scotia, the CD In My Soul. Denise Williams, Walk Together Children, a collection of black and Jewish music. If you need to get in touch with me, you can reach me via the CIUT website, ciut.fm. Click on the more the merrier and my information is there. My socials are TMTM with Donna G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I hope you appreciate this special show. Thank you for listening. And so some Europeans went sailing. They went looking for gold and spices and jewels and the fountain of youth. And some Europeans went sailing and promptly got lost. The wind blew their boats up against islands and continental coastlines. They were utterly lost. And we know they were lost because that is the state you are in when you don't know where you are. And we know they didn't know where they were because they called the people they found living in the lands that their ships bumped into Indians, and they were not in India. Nevertheless, they found much of what they had been looking for. But the most far-reaching, the most pivotal, was fertile soil. Now, to give you an idea of how rich this soil was, the area of the soil in which we grow things is called the topsoil, and normally it's measured in centimeters or inches. Well, the diaries of the first European explorers to reach these islands, the ones that would later be called the West Indies or Caribbean islands, stated that the topsoil could be measured in meters or feet. 
This was extremely rich soil. It was the same as finding a field full of money. If you have a lot of land, that means you can grow a lot of things or a lot of one thing. And whatever you grow can then be sold and you make money. Now, if you can make what you grow into something else and sell that, there's even more money to be made. So, for example, if you have a lot of land, you can plant and grow a lot of sugar cane. And you can sell it after it's picked and make money. But sugar cane can be made into sugar. So even more money can be made. And Europeans, by the 16th and 17th centuries, had become addicted to sugar. It was a necessary source of added energy in the extremely popular new medicinal beverages, tea, coffee, and cocoa. On the other hand, if you planted cotton, the cotton could be made into cloth, and then the cloth and the clothes or sheets or sails. Heck, you could even plant coffee, tobacco, all kinds of things. Yeah, you could do a lot if you had a lot of land. These were the kinds of ideas that the European explorers and the people who paid for their explorations had in mind for the Caribbean islands. There were, however, two big problems. First, it wasn't their land. Those islands belonged to the indigenous people, the First Nations, the Taino, the Arawak, and Caribs. These people had called those islands home for thousands and thousands of years. The second problem was if you had a lot of land and you wanted to plant all of it and make a lot of money, you have to have a lot of workers to plant and grow and pick whatever it is you want to cultivate. Now, some people might think of those European explorers as exciting adventurers, but they behaved in the same manner as the outlaw motorcycle gangs, drug cartels, or any other organized crime groups of today, even disorganized crime groups. They were greedy, mean, and murderers. They didn't ask the native peoples if they could share some of their land. Instead, because they had guns and the native peoples did not, they forcibly took what was not theirs. And then, of the native peoples who did not die defending themselves, or die from contracting the alien diseases carried by the sailors, the Europeans forcibly turned the survivors into permanent, unpaid laborers. In other words, the native peoples were taken hostage on the land which had been stolen from them and made to work from sunup to sundown without payment, day in and day out, until they died. Some people might say that moral standards were different in those days. But in every single European nation, even way back then, there were laws against murder and theft. As the system of land theft and forced labor quickly developed, European nations and empires grew fantastically wealthy and powerful, dependent upon blood and soil. Millions of indigenous peoples of the Caribbean islands and North, Central, and South America perished on their lands. It is estimated, and it's a conservative estimation, that 50 million native peoples died as a result of Europeans coming to the Americas. If the land on which you live could speak, the blood-soaked soil underneath your feet, 
What do you think it would say? There were a very few European people of conscience who spoke out against turning First Nation peoples into permanent unpaid laborers. Strangely enough, though, there seemed to be no objection made to stealing their land, but at least they did speak out about their being made into permanent unpaid laborers. By this point, though, the writing was already on the wall. You see, the greedy men and women who benefited from the arrangement had already come to the conclusion that they had to find other workers. Estos indios se siguen tratando de escapar o de repente se mueren. Les indiens tentent tout le temps de s'échapper ou alors ils crèvent carrément. Ce qu'on sait, c'était une vulgaire question de volonté chez eux. The Indians keep trying to run away or they just up and die. It's almost as though they can will themselves to do it. They keep getting sick. It's such an inconvenience. We always have to look for more replacements. True, there's not that many Indians on the island anymore. We have to do something. Who will work my land? So, those greedy people looked around for another group to make into unpaid laborers, and they picked Europeans fellow white people through a system called indentured servitude. Now, under this system, you would work for a period of time, it was usually seven to nine years, without getting paid. But at the end of your term, you were given some land of your own and you had a fresh start in a new country. Now, quite a few people jumped at this opportunity because there was no possible way they could amass enough money to buy land in Europe. Unfortunately, there were never enough of these volunteers. So other Europeans were drafted to meet labor demands. So anyone who was considered a political troublemaker was shipped down to the plantations or large farms in the Caribbean. People charged with or convicted of crimes also got free passage to this new life. And laws were deliberately passed which made the most minor offense punishable by being sent to a plantation. The poor were often drugged or beaten and kidnapped. Men, women, and children would wake up on a boat bound for the West Indies, their family and friends never to hear from them again. Now, although most of these people were white, some of them were black, men and women whose African ancestors had settled in various European countries long ago despite the number of volunteers and those brought against their will to be unpaid workers, the labor demands of the greedy owners were still not met. Those white and black indentured servants were often not treated very well and whenever possible, they would run away. Now this was especially a problem with white runaways because once they left the area where they had worked, there was no way to identify them from white people who were not indentured servants. They looked the same and blended in. What really bothered the owners, though, was the fact that indentured servants were not permanent workers. At the end of the term of the servants who stayed the course, those same people were given land. In effect, they became part of the competition 
against their former bosses. And so, those who controlled the system and wanted to make profits at others' expense looked for a third group who could serve as permanent unpaid laborers. The third group they settled upon were Africans. Now, from the perspective of the plantation owners and their supporters, Africans were the perfect choice. I millones y millones de Africanos, con ellos. Nous aurons une source intéressable d'esclaves. There are millions and millions of Africans. We'll have a steady supply of slaves. If they escaped from a plantation, they would be much easier to recapture, since they would stand out amongst a white population. And most importantly, they could never get back to Africa. After all, they can't swim across the ocean. Les Africains sont parfaits. Yes, Africans are perfect. upon my fears like a drum. Remember me. Dead as you are, do not forget this party. Are there gratuities of death? One day, come and tell me, and I will rejoice. Night passes over. There are sounds and hissings. My heart weeps in the dark. I go from one land to another, boat to boat, sea to sea. Creature of dust, dying in the wind bloom. Oh, sister, our home is shattered. All I know of it, or will ever know, is stuffed between the limbs of a Portuguese ship. What will I do without you, Odanga? Somehow I feel my sanity slipping. What is memory is sitting beside me in the dark. But I believe it is daylight outside. A slip of it stolen to the boat a short while ago, and it, too, now is captive. Why have we come to this? What am I doing here?
rattle in the boat, a harder one in my breast, a striking of pain, a beating drum with a message of doom. I've wanted to tell you, sister, about this pain, but I couldn't. You were too close to it and to my hope. Remember me? But now I journey to this strange, unbidden land, what they will call me Sally. And my dreams will hang from trees like rotten fruit. Oh, the grief, the grief. Sister, remember me. Yet I'm beyond the passage of this boat. I go on another journey while the cold air spins at the great sail's pipe. And when this vessel finds its final harbor, I will not be with it. Not even my aching breath will please the passions of these merchants. My body is at its end. The sorrow in the heart tells me, and I so receive it willingly, joyfully. Oh, I celebrate these raptures. Sister, I choose the tender way.
Now, the majority of people who worked against the chattel slave system were black folks. But there were also white folks and red folks, First Nation peoples, who were involved. And there were many different parts to play. They had to do their work in secret. Underground, in other words. And eventually, this loose collection or network of activists who helped escapees arrive safely in places where they could live freely, they would become known to some as the Underground Railway. To others, the Underground Railroad. Still others called it the Freedom Line and even the Gospel Train. Tice Davids came to the edge of the Ohio River and peered across to the other side. There it was. There was the lantern in the window and a house on a hill barely visible in the dark. He knew the owner of the plantation he fled from was hot on his trail, real close. And he knew that man was furious. Without a second thought, Tice Davids jumped into the Ohio River swimming away from Kentucky and slavery with every stroke, swimming with all the strength he could muster toward freedom on the other side. In the darkness, he could hear the sound of oars in the water. The man chasing him had found a boat, and he was not far behind. Tice kept stroking, and so did those oars. He knew the man in the boat would not want him to arrive on the other side. A long time passed, and Tice was still swimming. His arms were burning, his legs were numb, his body cold. How much further would he make it? Ah, he felt the shore reach out to meet him. Helping hands scuttled him away from the water. Back at the plantation, when the owner returned empty-handed, the man tried to explain what had happened. I kept my eyes on him the whole time. I saw him touch the shawl, and then he just disappeared. I was right behind him, and I never took my eyes off him. He just disappeared. I looked along the entire shoreline. No footprints, no trail, no nothing. It was like the ground swallowed him up and something carried him off. Like, like a railroad running underground. There were no planes in those days, no cars, no buses. The main way to travel great distances quickly was by train. So the abolitionists used railroad terminology as part of a secret coded language to pass information to each other. For example, if you supported this underground activity in any way, if you supplied money, clothing, food, you were called a shareholder or stockholder. Now escapees or freedom seekers, they were called passengers, parcels, or cargo. Now someone who knew the route and would lead the passengers was called a conductor. The passengers and conductors together made up the train, and they had to rest from time to time, and so they might have to change clothes, and they certainly had to eat. So those rest stops were called stations, and the person who looked after the station 
to supply them with what they needed and make sure it was safe for the passengers was called the station master. The final destinations, where the refugees could live as free men and women in Canada, places like Amherstburg, St. Catharines, North Buxton, Dresden, Toronto, Hamilton, in the north, Owen Sound and Collingwood, in the east, Kingston and Halifax. All these places and others I haven't named were called terminals. Assisting workers to escape was a very dangerous business. Remember, the entire southern economic system depended upon this captive unpaid labor, so any interference was seen as the same as stealing money out of someone's wallet. If you were a free black person or a native person outside your territory and you were caught helping a refugee, you could be sold into slavery yourself or jailed or killed. If you were white, you could be ostracized, shunned by your neighbors or arrested and fined. And if you were a slave, caught trying to escape or especially helping others to escape, terrible things would follow. You would definitely be whipped until you were covered in blood. Some owners would chop off a toe, usually the baby one, so it would be more difficult for you to run in the future, but it wouldn't interfere with your being able to work all day. Other owners would chop off an ear or brand you or scar you on your face. A missing toe or an ear, severe scars, these were considered the marks of a troublemaker. Other owners would attempt to discourage even the idea of your wanting to escape. The foreman would tell the captive unpaid workers to gather for a meeting with Massa. <clears throat> Reckon y'all heard about some troubles on nearby farms. Probably y'all heard about runaways heading up north. Someone's been whispering lies in your ears and giving y'all the wrong impression going to Canada. You think them folks up north are just nice folks? You think it's paradise? Just want to invite y'all up to be their friends. <laughs> now, y'all know I care about you. I take good care of all y'all. I let you meet for an hour on Sundays with the preacher. Don't hardly whip you, unless you get incorrigible. I take good care of you. So, I'm gonna tell you the truth about up north in Canada. There is a river between Canada and the United States, the Detroit River. It's huge. There's monsters in that water. Preacher tell you the story about Jonah and the whale. Well, that's the kind of sea monsters they got in that river. They don't got no boats up north. You gotta swim all the way across. <clears throat> Do you know how cold it gets in Canada? It gets real cold, it gets so cold, so cold that I can't even tell you how cold it gets. But because of that, they can only grow one thing. Oats, oats and more oats. That's it. 
You'll have oatmeal mush morning, noon, and night. They ain't got no collard greens, no beans, no cornmeal, no fish, no fat back, nothing. Now, do you want to eat just oats for the rest of your life? <laughs> so, I wonder why. I wonder why folks whisper that you should go to Canada. Why would they want you in Canada? Well, since they can't grow nothing but oats, they want you in Canada because they eat people. Uh-huh. They want to have you up for supper. Well, that's some story. Do you think the captive workers believed it? Heck no! They were intelligent. Plus, they had better sources for information. They heard the real stories from other people who had been there. See, after the Fugitive Slave Act was in effect, many black people who had been living in the northern U.S. and had visited Canada themselves were being forcibly returned to bondage. And they told the truth about what they experienced in Canada. They told all the others on the plantation. And there was even a Canadian who used to make trips to the southern U.S. Dr. Alexander Milton Ross was from Belleville, and he had a hobby called ornithology. So in other words, he watched and studied birds. He would pretend to be friends with men and women who had captive workers and arrange to go to their farms when he was on vacation, supposedly to investigate the birds that were in that region. Well, he'd watch a few birds all right, but the real reason he was there was to secretly give information to the workers in the form of a mathematical code. And that showed them how to start traveling the network of stations along the Underground Railroad. And there was another way that they could get the real truth about Canada. It came directly from people who had successfully escaped, who were never caught, but who returned voluntarily to farms and plantations to act as conductors or guides so others could be free too. These men and women were the most courageous and selfless warriors who continually risked their lives for others when they could have lived in complete safety. They lived the African proverb, I am because we are. In other words, an African individual is not separate from their community. They are linked to their community for their personal sense of well-being. An African cannot be truly free if others are still enslaved. These were true warriors, for under this system of chattel slavery, there was no one more hated than an escapee who helped others to freedom. This is a very depressing place, and it's oppressive. Up on the north coast, huh. no need to brag or boast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, the north coast. The land is snow mist, the pony. 
still adrift And some wish And some pretend we didn't exist Except in gangster flicks Good sport for hicks Flashback to whips Lynch tactics Switch to electronics Now that shit is slick DMX sinks into the mind Disguised in sound bites And shock headlines So you remember The intellect dismembered Now no wonder Hate runs deep Like Arctic ice in mid-December In the glacier The beast is sanctioned Now the waste brother Yo, what's your reason? Reactions why I hate you And to hero this loss up in a sub-zero Politics corrupt as Nero Into official lingo Yeah, I know you wish I keep singing swing low That ain't my thing though I'm like a lion born free See my Northland styles Above a thousand odd degrees About to catch a fire Melt down your deep freeze Swift like Bailey Kids supported daily Who's far for that rage They was raised up in the tundra from small And even if born here Passports will be revoked When jobs disappear The best of minds are still broken Pride choke With each rejected application I.e. fuck qualification up like six nation as you lay the ground for your own decline brag and boast i await your downfall my time north coast is on the north coast time rolls by what have we built for the youth up on the north coast been so long still searching for we move up on the north coast up on the north coast so much lies and make it hard to see the truth see the north coast Missing North Coast, no need to brag or boast. On cue, it's that poet who could bring the pain. Recall centuries ago, my family used to cut your cane and fest your brain. But voodoo terrors, you're made profane in your sick frame of mind from the guilt that remain. I'm now your neighbor. But what high walls and dark savior? A history of greed revealed to investigators of the anti conquistador. Invaders cross your bottle and overlords. Never born to be a target for the beast in blue. A stand accusing kangaroo court. We're inquisitors and grand wizards ruling whole fort. And a holding cells and roach infested stairwells. Rage swells and shines in eyes of youth craving nines. And families are ripped apart with the intensity of another young baby mother in labor as she scream in agony. Another mouth to feed, how could it be? More and more of food banks, one in four can't read. In this so-called first world society where economy is like monopoly. With few equipped to play properly. And desperation takes the shapes of lottery, astronomy, and a crown colony. Mason felonies and robberies, the Arctic quadrant. Where the blood turns cold and bells toll inside of ice worn by bold black squadrons. Who look around, don't see any better place to go. For now we buckle down, stand our ground. North coast is so you know. Time rolls by, what have we built for the youth? Up on the north coast, on the north coast. Been so long, still searching for we will. Up on the north coast, it's on the north coast. It's on the so north much coast. lies and make it hard to see the truth. See the truth. North coast, come and say north coast. No need to brag and boast. Brag and boast. North coast, no need to brag and boast. Up on the north coast. Handle cry freedom, Stephen Biko, or his pain. Prefer to watch kung fu flicks than see the depth of subconscious tricks instilled within the black mind, raping the innocence of every black baby it can find. The soul of democracy's hypocrisy lives on, but not by master's hand. See, the clever master plan only needed a few licks from master's stick to be embedded in the black soul for more than a lifetime. The fear to be passed along for generations along the lifeline. Nurtured in by through us, it would grow faster. 
Seed planted in the womb of the house negress An alternative fuck later promoted to mistress Inbreed, half-breeded, confused mulatto She was mixed But searching for pride refused to mix with the field niggas in the yard Erecting barriers of straight nose Light skin, slightly narrower hips Boasting her high yellow complexion While sucking in her thick bottom lip Distancing herself from herself Reflected in the field niggas in the yard Centuries later our niggas feel up their bitches In elementary school yards Enslaved by complexes of inferiority Confused by the difference between their reality And the one lived by the white minority called society And now I hold a dollar in my hand Convinced that with it I could buy me a new master plan Bring my dollar to the bank and find out that in this world It's only worth two quarters and a dime Sixty cents calculated after the U.S. exchange rate But my Canadian paycheck didn't compensate for the difference It never added a quarter, a nickel, a dime, forty more cents So a dollar could make sense and be a dollar So I really hold a dollar full up of nonsense Cause it's really just two quarters and ten cents Then I check the paycheck What? Did a double check? Damn! Realized after taxes 60 cents was demoted to a dime I need some time to figure out Who benefits from this hypocritical American dreaming Deflated by Canadian currency I feel a sense of urgency Physically free while mentally imprisoned I'm starting to lose my vision I wanted to buy in Pretend like no struggle I'm in With two eyes open and a third one closed I could lead out a happy existence I'd marry white Two kids, a pathfinder, maybe a jeep A Johnson family nameplate on my front door To greet our neighbors But none of them would be sisters or brothers, hell. And risk having my property value decrease? Nah. Instead, I would choose to increase my ignorance and turn my back on all the others that look like me, that looked like me. Shit, that is me. Afraid to hear the truth about my people, yet living proof of the truth of my people. Don't want to read no books or see no films about my people, yet leading a flick of my own with every click of the father clock that statistics show could be cut short by the click of a black brother's glock. And still I hold this dollar in my hand. Well, in fact, it's just a dime. And I was hoping with it I could buy me a little more time. I thought it would make me part of society. With it, I had plans to buy more Tommy. I thought behind it I could mask all my insecurities. Forget my auntie was the house negress. Forget my sister was master's mistress. Forget my mommy was the white baby's mammy. Forget my granny breastfed the same babies that went on to whip her grandbabies. Forget my father was Quinta Quinta. And I wonder why I limp in modern day society. And I wonder why I'm holding fast to this dime and I feel like running out from under me is time. Can't handle cry freedom, Biko's life too close to home. But I bawl crying for freedom every night when I'm alone. If I could just take back history, if I could just undo centuries, or if God had just asked me as my spirit sat in heaven waiting to be born, with which physical traits I wanted it to take form, then I could have evaluated the situation and picked white so I could live right, so my dollar could be the dollar. So my dream could be society's reality. So my heaven could be right here on earth. So my children wouldn't have to struggle or fight for identity. 
for equality, for a right to be. Once a dollar, now a dime. On my knees, I pray to God for a little more. We had a lot to sing about, too. From our earliest civilizations, our natural-born creativity gave to the world numerous gifts. Philosophy, astronomy, geometry, agriculture, surgery, and more. The gift of creativity is part of human nature. It is part of our nature, part of our heritage. We have not lost it. We still use our gift and continue to give to the world. We flexed and molded European languages, forcing them to accommodate our African oral sensibility. And then we produced words and phrases which have traveled around the globe. Cool, no doubt. Talk the talk, walk the walk. Right on. Peeps of blues together. Blink, blink. Brown, sugar, soul, whack. See you later, Alex. Get with it. What's up? Jazz. Chill. Keep it real. Rap. Funk. We reached down deep, pulled from our rhythmic roots, and called out to the spirit of movement. Our bodies responded in dance. Cakewalk. Tap dancing. The Harlem Shake. Kumina. Jab Jab. The Jitterbug. The Lindy Hop. Swing. Calypso. Hustle. Break dancing. Charleston. The Twist. Merengue. Electric Slide. Limbo. Funky chick, salsa. We listen to the beat of the thunder in the clouds, the melody of wind rustling among the leaves, the music of nature. And we too were compelled to create our musical stories. Certainly our sacred spirituals and gospel, but also ragtime, blues, jazz, mental, rhythm and blues, soca, rock and roll, dancehall, funk. From our community came the African people who would invent the spark plug, the truck that sweeps the streets clean, a toilet for railroad cars, the rotary blade lawnmower, the torpedo, the raised and tapered golf tee, the egg beater, the pencil sharpener, the fountain pen, overhead electric conducting lines, automatic air brakes for trains, a machine which made permanent waves in the hair, a self-powered gamma detector which monitors power in a nuclear reactor, the storage of blood plasma and creation of the first blood bank, the first successful open-heart surgery, automatic gear shifts for automobiles, directional signals for automobiles, automatic safety brakes which are in all school buses, the first camera used in outer space which pictured the earth from the moon, the farmer's almanac, the system to pump and feed fuel into rockets, the special lubricants needed for high-flying aircraft and space missions, the device which allows add-on devices to your computer, such as the MP3 player or fax machines, the technique for detecting and counting bacteria in drinking water and other fluids, the three-stage traffic stoplight, the gas mask, a device to help the disabled feed themselves, a self-locking rack for billiard cues, teleconferencing with video display, and believe me, I can go on and on. Inventors such as Elijah W. Chappelle, Miriam E. Benjamin, George Washington Carver, Granville T. Woods, 
Benjamin Banneker, Frederick McKinley, Mark Dean, Louis Latimer, George Carruthers, Richard Spikes, Marjorie Stewart Joyner, Otis Boykin, James Edward West, Percy LaVon Julian, Charles B. Brooks, Bessie Blount, John B. Christian, and many, many more men and women destroy the ignorant claims that Africans have never contributed anything meaningful to Western civilization.